Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And we are coming to you with a very special bonus episode of the podcast where we're talking to two of the creators of one of our favorite books on the stands right now. Assuming there are stands. I don't know if there are stands anymore, but virtual <laughs> wow. stands? Yeah, virtual stands. That still <laughs> checks out. Very fresh language choice. Yeah. Thanks, man. I'm a cool dude. Uh, I, they I, are... Thank you, Alex, for Googling youth language right before we started this. <laughs> I've been on Urban Dictionary all day, so I appreciate you calling <laughs> it out. Thank you. Uh, Curtis Weeb and Justin Osterling, the creators of Dryad from Oni Press, which just dropped its fourth issue. We have talked about every issue of this on our Stack podcast, on our review podcast. We've got positive reviews, just so you guys know. Uh, (laughs) Excited to have you here. How are you all doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, thanks for having us on your podcast just to destroy our property. Exactly. Bash us the entire time. First question. Podcast. First question, where do you get off? Second question, no. Um, so one of the things that we've really been enjoying about Dryad, and we'll get into the concept for anybody who has been reading it in a second, but the fact that, I don't know if this is totally an accurate uh, estimation, but it's almost like a puzzle box of a books, at least for the first couple of issues, where you think it's one thing, and then there's that twist at the end that completely redefines it, and that happens almost at the end of every single issue, where it keeps changing up what the idea is, or at least adding to it in a way. So I'd love to hear from you guys what the initial concept was and how it grew from there. Yeah, uh, so, sure, I... I I came up with the concept actually a couple years ago, just as an experiment of something that I wanted to do weirdly as like a television pilot. Uh, I've always been a comic writer, but I was just kind of trying out a uh, new medium and, and uh, testing out my skills. And so I actually wrote this concept as a uh, animated show pilot. Well, it was, all, it was like an hour long. Um, and, uh, it was it was literally just kind of a portfolio piece, something I wanted to do as a little exercise. And at the end, I was like, oh, you know, this is actually, I'm really proud of this. I think there's something interesting here that that I could do something more with. And I kind of, I let it sit for a little while, and, but I never forgot about it. it. It sat on my hard drive for about a year and a half. And uh, over that same period of time, I had met Justin, who had done some I, I used to run a, a podcast myself, a Star Wars role-playing game podcast, like a live a live play. And um, I had Justin do some art for some of the characters for it. And I've always been a fan of his work. And I just it just clicked with me when I saw him doing some fantasy stuff. And then he also did some cyberpunk stuff. I was like, oh, this this is the guy for the book. And it, it I reached out to that, him. Yeah, it was almost at that exact time I was running a... Uh, almost like a cyberpunk in space fantasy game. <laughs> and so I had drawn a, one of like my D and D character with like robotic arms. And it was just like so gnarly, but it was just totally an elf and everything that and he just sent me a message being like, I have a script and I really yeah. want you to read it. <laughs> <laughs> so our all brains, of that stuff, our brains synced up separately. I don't know if you know this, we have to work together. Yeah. Kind of well, that's what kind of like, it's felt like our, the entire process. It's like, the moment he presented the idea to me, uh, I was already having like all these sketches and ideas from like this D and D thing that I was doing in my uh, in my own time. That I was just like, oh, I'm drawing fantasy all this time, like traditional normal fantasy. I was like, oh, I should flex my muscles, and so I started working on that stuff. 
So when he showed it to me, I just like opened up my sketchbook and sent it to him. Uh, and he was just like, oh, yeah, this is exactly where I was going with. And we immediately just like get the ball rolling. Uh, Curtis, I'm curious to hear you talk about the slow unfolding of the story, though, because uh, I'm going to spoil it a little bit for anybody who's listening to it because we touched on it already. But first issue, it seems like it's the story about two parents uh, running away from something in a fantasy style world with their two kids hiding away in a small village. By the end, it seems like maybe there's demons, maybe there's not. But as you mentioned, it turns out there's actually not exactly magic in this world. There, It's more of a tech world. And then there's more twists after that. So when you were going from the TV pilot stage or the prospective TV pilot stage to moving into a comic book, did you start breaking it up for those twists? Were those present in the TV pilot? How'd you hit that? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that was really one of the big questions that we had to answer because uh, I, I basically sent Justin the the pilot script to see what he thought about the concept. And then when we started talking about doing a comic, I was going into the scripting phase and we had a really long discussion about how, like, what's the first issue going to entail because the pilot basically ends where they get into a helicopter and, and fly away. That's like where the pilot would have ended as kind of mm-hmm. the hook and you see the city in the distance kind of thing. And that's where the, the pilot would have ended. So we were like, we wanted to have the reveal, you know, one of the ideas was that the first issue ended with the reveal of a gun. Um, but we were, it, it would have been too quick and we wouldn't have got to live in the town and get to know the family. And it was all just for the sake of that issue, issue one cliffhanger. And so it was honestly, we really debated it. Uh, and, you know, we saw it in some of the early reviews are like, oh, it's it's another fantasy book from, from Curtis Weave. You know, I did Rack mm-hmm. Queens. And so... It was like, oh, it's more of a slice of life thing. Maybe it's a bit quieter and calmer, but it's another fantasy story. So we knew that was a risk going in, that people were just going to be like, oh, it's a fantasy story. And it doesn't have the swearing and, and the ridiculousness. And uh, But we just kind of thought that was the way to go and just to see how it played out. But really, people needed to read the second issue because the second issue had the reveal of the gun. And, uh, but it was hard. It was a hard decision. I still think it was the right one, you know, especially if you read it in a trade, yeah. it'll be like, oh, it's kind of constantly revealing itself. And that ultimately is what led to that decision mm-hmm. after a long discussion was like, why don't we just have it so that every issue is like, you're learning something new, just like the kids are. And, and that was really the, the motivation behind it is to have the reader feel like the kids would feel constantly having the rug pulled out from under them about the reality of the world. And yeah, Justin was a big part of that decision process. I love that confidence of uh, of sticking to that initial plan. Do you feel like because uh, you had written as a pilot initially, that's helped you to make that sort of harder choice uh, to wait till the end of the second issue? Uh, yeah, I mean, we had we had to basically ask what's the most important thing about this story. You, you know, it's mm-hmm. easy to, especially in comics, everything has to be. You have to catch them with the first issue, and I. I have lots of thoughts about single issues, but uh, it's, you know, for <laughs> all me, it's positive. A, it sounds like they're all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's frustrating because ultimately, you know, if I had it, if I could have it my way, the first issue would have been 50 pages. But so what, what we had to really say was, well, is it the twist that's important or is it the family? And really, the, that actually has informed a lot about the story. I mean, Justin can speak a little bit about it, too. But yeah, that's the big part is that it's that it was the family that we decided ultimately is the story we wanted to tell. Yeah, because I feel like 
with, with us like trying to push in that twist till later that the first issue had to really nail down like the family dynamics and get that like you had to be attached to it so at the end when you see the kids are in danger that's like kind of what like lulls you into being like all right well i kind of want to see what happens next and then it's just like a okay that isn't what i expected at all and that's why as like the issues go on we expand a little bit more in the world because like in the first three issues you don't see so much of frostbrook because you're kind of just focused on family and like as the story kind of expands like you just start seeing more of the world where in this last issue, there's like 10 pages of just the kids uh, in helicopters flying past the mega city. And like, you're just seeing all of these like vignettes of the life there because they're finally having their eyes seen to that. So it was like really trying to make sure you stayed with them as their point of view. So as it didn't get too overwhelming or like too confusing and like, having to then fit that into single issues is a t- complicated task that Curtis does really, really well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I think it's, it worked out so well. And I feel like I'm so burnt out on like the end of first issue twist that I'm like the fact that, that we just got to have the emotional uh, air happening around these characters in the first issue. And then the second issue twist, that's the twist yeah. you don't see coming. That's well, the future twist. I'll back up what Justin just said about it. You know, remembering back to our review of the first issue, what we hooked Mm -hmm. into was the family dynamic and the fact that you did spend time with it. And I think, Justin Osterling, uh, to (laughs) your art, I think that last page spread, you still do get not necessarily a twist, but we're told the entire first issue that demons don't exist. Magic is gone from this world. And then you see Mm -hmm. something show up and you're like, what is that? Uh, So structurally, structurally, it works well. Good job, guys. We're proud of you. Know, <laughs> we're so we played play with that last issue, like that last page, like three different ways. Cause we did a whole draft where they were like, that's where the tech twist was. And you just see them stepping in. I was like, no, like Curtis was like the one who's like, no, let's try to make it like really like a horror thing. Like, let's make it as like ambiguous as I can. So like, I just kept doing drafts where I was like looser and looser and looser. And then eventually I was just like, all right, they're made of smoke. Like it is like, the most like vague but horrifying as I like, possibly could do it in that uh, with like it out of getting too weird and like without any like making it stop making sense. And I don't know. It feels like we got it. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about, I forgot about that, man. <laughs> yeah. Cause at one point, like a character was like holding a coffee cup and they were going to just throw it and like totally yeah. this ancient ruin and everything. And they're like, no, 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 it's too much. It's too much. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I do want to ask you about the fourth issue since a, that just came out, but also B it's interesting Curtis to hear. This is the one that goes beyond your pilot, beyond your initial conception of the book. So Mm -hmm. what was it like finally getting into that and tackling that moving away from that thing that was preexisting? Yeah, it's, it's been, it's been interesting because so much of the idea that I had really was, was kind of based on the hook to be honest. And I think what happened when me and Justin started to do the work on it, it's funny how it's progressed even as we've been working on it. Cause originally we were thinking this is going to be like uh, kind of an on the run action book with like, you know, lots of, cause Justin's a really awesome at, at action and big scenes like that. And that's where we thought the book was going to go. And then as I've been writing it, you know, I'm, I'm going into writing issue eight at the moment and it's, it's evolved into 
weirdly almost like a slice of life story. And it's, it's this thing where it's like, Oh, you would, you think it's going to be a cyberpunk book with like all these, yeah, this crazy tech and, and, and weapons and cars and violence and all that stuff. And it's like, well, that just happens to be the setting. And so it's, it's seriously evolved from the conception to something quite different than what I had expected. And even Justin, I had a call yesterday mm-hmm. and we were just talking about it and I pitched him this idea, uh, for the, for the third arc, which would be, I guess, issues 10 through 15. And I, I won't say what it is cause I haven't been able to put it up in mind yet, but <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but I was like, what if we just like did this and, and it would be something that well, we, have, we like, haven't even talked about yet, you know? We, we've, every time we started working on the issues, we've really found ourselves really leaning into the family. And as much as I love drawing action, what we realized, for me, the, the part that I really enjoyed was breaking down the sequences. So then putting that being like, okay, instead of having like resolution be kind of like, it's like kind of when you get into like an RPG, like a tabletop or like even like in video games, like they tell this sweeping story and then it just ends with, all right, well, we got to punch each other now because this is how video <laughs> games work. And we kind of like Curtis writes video games and I've been doing tabletop for years. And we we're just like, well, what if we just, I don't know, had people talk and we kind of like mm. took that mentality. And even then, like, as we started working more and more on the book, like both of us just had gone through like really rough life. Uh, instances. Curtis moved to Sweden. Uh, I just am a sad person. And we were like, well, what, if, <laughs> what if, what if we did cyberpunk, but like gave it hints of hope, like actually showed like, Hey, it's not always the worst thing in the planet to evolve and like go into technology, but it's also like, there's nothing wrong with, I don't know, feeling like old school stuff, like trying to go into like that old fantasy way and that sort of thing. It's interesting. I- Oh, go I ahead, Jess. The, the fresh eyes of the kids on this world, I think, mm-hmm. do so much to what you're saying about like giving it that sort of outside, uh, hopeful, and like innocent uh, view of it. And I think that just translates so hard to us, the reader, because I think that's how we view it. Even though it's like so violent, I'm looking at this panel and four <laughs> right now of this person being just murdered in front of everybody. But it's still you're seeing it from this new place, and I think that's great. Yeah, we try. I, 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 I'm going to toot Curtis's horn uh, real quick. But I think one of my favorite parts about the kids is that, especially in later issues, they're really self-aware of the whole situation. Because, like, I can get really tired of a fish-out-of-water story when they're like, what is a video game? Like, yeah. teach me <laughs> what electricity is and, like, all that. Where, like, they take it in and they accept it and they kind of, like, talk through their emotions with their family. And to me, that like that, it just like makes it more interesting to read because you're not doing the really like basic questions that like yes, we all know what an arcade is, like we all know what a giant TV is. Like we're not gonna have the kids have that discussion. It's more gonna be like, how did you lie to us all these years? And I don't know. I enjoy that. <laughs> Do you see the kids growing older over the course of the series? Or are they gonna kind of stay the same age? Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that we've talked about. And, mm-hmm. you know, really, we're looking at it's going to be a 15 issue thing. Uh, but again, even that, like the concept of that has changed. I wrote up an outline for the second arc, uh, issue six through ten. That was the story was it was so plot driven. And it was I, I was really happy with the plots. But I was like, this is a lot of stuff going on. And it's a lot of stuff taking away from 
the characters. And so the idea that they grow up, I mean, with the 15 issues, there's not a lot of space for that. But we are talking about ideas that we could potentially see like a shift in time. But I'm not, I'm not 100% decided on that yet. <laughs> really, really what, what the heart of the dryad is about, and you're going to start to see it, especially in the, in the second arc. Um, obviously, we know that the, the parents, uh, Morgan and Yale, are running from something. But what we're really talking about is, is family trauma and, and how that becomes generational. And that's really the heart of the story. And, you know, that it, the choices of, of Yale and Morgan have an impact on the kids. But, I mean, they, they were affected by stuff that's happened to them and their families. And so a lot of that stuff is connected to why they left, which is, is going to start to reveal itself even in the next issue. And so, yeah, that's definitely something we thought about. And ultimately, if we do go that route, it would be really to show how the decisions of Morgan and Yale, even if it all ends up, you know, happy, it's still going to have an impact on how mm-hmm. they would grow up essentially. So, um, but yeah, it's on the table. Uh, go ahead, Justin. I was gonna yeah. say, I, I feel like you guys have gotten a lot of, uh, very positive comparisons to saga. Uh, yeah. how does that, uh, how does that hit you guys? Um, when you hear it? I try not to throw up out of like sheer joy. Um, by the time, because Curtis has known Fiona forever, and I have like I'm a like fairly unknown artist, and so I've never seen other people draw my characters before. I think this was maybe like the second or third time, and then Fiona Staples comes out swinging like, "Hey, here's Morgan Yale and the twins," and like big fancy world, and I was just like, "Coolest thing I've ever seen in my life." And so, I don't know, I, I enjoy the saga comparison, but I don't, I don't want anyone to, like, get bogged down with it too much either, because I, I think it's almost like a trapping of comic books in general, is that when, yeah. you, when you do something like a slower, like, slice of life thing, uh, people are going to compare it to the thing that they know, and that could either be detriment or positive, depending on how they feel about that certain thing, but... I don't know. I feel like it's cool and crazy, but also like, no, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna get weird and in a good way. And I hope they enjoy it and still take it in, you know? Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I found that I, when I asked Fiona, actually when I, we started this comic and I asked Fiona to, to help us with a cover, we actually lived like, I don't know, six blocks from each other. Uh, <laughs> I don't live there anymore, obviously, but uh, I saw the cover come in. I was like, Oh, it's awesome. I was like, I loved it. And then, I started to look at it and I'm like, oh, this, this, this does have, if you look at it conceptually, it is Saga. And I, and I didn't yeah. even realize it until I looked at Fiona's art and I'm like, <laughs> I so hope she funny. doesn't think we're just trying to ride on her success here. <laughs> but but like, I, also, I, mean, I also feel like having her do it does kind of put the nail in the coffin of, yeah, like, it, it's it has, not a ripoff. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was weird. There's a quote on the first, uh, the cover of the first issue that from Brian K. Vaughn that says, "This is a ripoff," which <laughs> was very strange. But I paid him an exorbitant <laughs> amount of money yeah. to do it. Yeah. Wow, it's great, strong yeah. choice. <laughs> no, I mean, I, we've talked about this again when we've been yeah. uh, reviewing the book, but like it very much does stand on its own. I think the comparisons are all very favorable to that book, just because, like you were saying, you got a family, you got a kind of mix of sci fi and fantasy elements, but it's very much its own story uh, that it is telling across the board. So we've yeah, been enjoying I, it. I, 
I take it with the same stride when people say like, oh, it's a shadow run. It's like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's cyberpunk <laughs> fantasy. Like you're not doing anything. So I mean, might as well sweep in there and take that. Genre. Yeah, that, that's the weird thing. I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with shadow run. That's like a role playing game. Uh, but it did the, the fantasy slash cyberpunk uh, back in the 80s. And since then, you're not allowed to do it anymore because then you're just ripping <laughs> up Shadowrun. And it's like, there's no yeah. other genre that has done that. But anyway, it's it's strange. <laughs> I don't know. I always like, for me, I always treat fantasy as a setting and not a genre. Because then if right. you start doing that, you're just going to start doing Tolkien on repeat. And like, we've already seen that a billion times. Like, we don't need to do that again. Like, do the slice of life in fantasy, do the noir in fantasy, like do the weird stuff there. And then just, I don't know, slap elves on it because pointy ears are cool. <laughs> now there's a cover quote, slap elves on it. Slap elves slap on it. Slap the elves on it. Slap the elves on it. Uh, wh- what's next at this point? So you have issue four just came out. Issue five, mm-hmm. obviously coming out next month. Uh, is it's being collected in a trade as well, or what should people be looking forward to? Yeah. yeah the trade comes out in January. Okay. Is it that long? To my knowledge, really? unless like we start doing another, uh, it's going to be a dark discussion. <laughs> Just like if another quarantine or something hits right. where we have to like lock down everything yep. again and production just stalls. But to oh, my wow. knowledge, it, January is when it yeah, is when first trade comes out. That was kind of, we had our first issue out and they, you know, with when COVID hit. And then, so it was like, I think what, three months between our first months. and second issue, which which uh, worked because number two was a really great number one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we, I think I think the trade comes out in January, and then we'll go on to our second arc, um, which continues. I mean, obviously, they're, they we're heading to the city, and we're going to dive more into Morgan and Yell's past, why they ran away, like what, what, why did they leave the city, um, and you know how this relationship with their kids started. And, uh, yeah, we're going to get into all that good stuff. And you said that you see this as a 15 issue series, uh, like all in, or is that just like a first, uh, volume kind of a situation? Uh, right now it's only is committed to 15 issues and, uh, you know, it really depends on, again, with anything in comics, uh, Mm -hmm. the sales, if they warrant further. Um, but it's like, it's one of those things where I think there's, voluminous amounts of stories we could tell there you know it's just a matter of whether or not you know, the the fan base is there and it, it's it's hard to you know and especially in the current climate but also in comics in general there's just so much stuff and it's mm-hmm. hard to, to poke your head up you know even when i mean i feel very i feel very proud of this series i, I think it's it, i think it's great i think it's one of the better things that i've worked on in a really long time and but it's just getting the word out there. And I'm not really on social media, so that probably doesn't help. But uh, <laughs> you know, It's okay. I'm I, posting all the horny drawings of our characters. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Crushing. Yeah. Uh, well, get ready for the comic book club bump that's coming your way. Yeah. Uh, the oh, patented. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I don't know well, if that's a thing. We really do love the book, and we, yeah. have, we have been uh, telling, talking it up, because uh, each issue continues to just blow out in different directions. Uh, and that's so hard to do in comics and you guys do such a great job at it. Yeah. It helps when you start off with not giving them anything. <laughs> it, it makes any, well, it's like, I was talking to Curtis about this a few weeks ago is that when you do a slice of life, like family story, any level of information about anyone's past is a me like a, Oh, <gasps> 
<laughs> yeah. that happened? And it's just like, or like any other story, it's like, oh yeah, no, of course that would happen. But like a slice of life drama, it's like cut to camera, faded. It's like glowy eyes or something. I don't know. It's just people being shocked. Well, we're very excited to see what happens with them going forward. Uh, Curtis, Justin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for chatting with us. We appreciate it. Everybody listening, go pick up Dryad. Pick up the first couple of issues so we can get beyond that 15 number. Pick up the trade when it comes out in uh, January. A couple of things to plug on our end. If you'd like to support the show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday to YouTube and Crowdcast. Come hang out. We're definitely going to chat with you about Dryad on that show as well. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show socially at Comic Book Live, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. We'll see you at the virtual stands. Is that uh, the term? You're definitely nailing it. I I, I didn't mean to tell you, but that is just a horribly, like, just... (laughs) raunchy word you're saying oh, yeah. no. this is going to be a rated r podcast no, oh my so god sorry. urban dictionary sent me wrong for the first <laughs> <Yeah>. time <laughs> first time <laughs>